the alchemy of tattooing. Wisdoms of Ancestor Tattoo. Where we explore and revive the ancient understandings and methods of tattooing for transformation, creation, and shifting into a higher vibration through processes so effective that it seems like magic. Or is it indeed the true definition of magic? The alchemy of tattooing. Okay, today I've got Stephanie Big Eagle to talk with us. Um, I'm just going to hand it straight to her to introduce herself and then we'll get into wherever it leads us. I'm Petuwashte. My name is Stephanie Big Eagle. I am a Lakota and Dakota on my father's side. Um, so my father lives on the Yankton Sioux Reservation in South Dakota. Um, in our way, we say we are a Hunktawan Dakota nation. So thank you for having me on your podcast today, Shane. It's good to see you again. Oh, yeah, it's good to see you. Thank you as well. It's been uh, a while since we've talked, but um, I've been meaning to, you know, have a have a, a, uh, a chat with you about this for ages. So it's really, thank you for joining me on this. Um, we sort of had a little bit of a chat before we started recording here about what we're going to talk about. Um, so tattooing and uh and your peoples and some of the maybe the history what's happened to it and what's what what it's become now um maybe we can begin with uh so in history or in the past before you know these these traditions were lost the tattooing traditions were lost uh, how extensively were uh, the people tattooed? Were they heavily tattooed people? Were they? Was it everyone or the all the tribes? Was it certain tribes? Um, and you know, was it both men and women? Uh, let's just sort of start with that and and okay, what what you know so, what is remembered? Okay, so um, as far as I've learned, and um, unfortunately, because due to the nature of colonialism that came through uh, late 1800s, especially into the 1900s, particularly for my tribe, uh, Lakota and Dakota, um, much of the tattoo culture was erased. Um, and especially if we're Lakota and Dakota, pretty much all of the tattoo history was erased. There was slight evidence that was left, and that's why um, when I found, I, I searched for years to find evidence from my nation about our tattoo culture. And um, when I finally did find it, a little shred of evidence, that's when I actually went over to New Zealand and decided to get my markings. It was something that was really important to me and in my heart and guided me to go ahead and do that. Um, but I, I had um, very little evidence to base that upon. And since I've made that decision, which was say six years ago now um, about that, uh, there's a lot more that's come to me that yes, we definitely had a tattoo culture, but, um, and the women in our tribe were tattooed on the face. Um, and what it signified, um, women would have either dots or lines that would run along the eye here. And what those would represent was um, an aspect of her life. If she was involved in ceremony, um, a single line could go down the chin. 
um, as far as, and this is only what I've been told recently, there may, it may be more, we don't know because the evidence is gone, yeah. but a line down the chin would denote marriage, um, coming of age. And there would also be dots or lines on the forehead coming up here. And that would also denote maybe being part of a, a women's warrior society or um, ancestral connection. And uh, so that's, that's all I know from my nation. I also know when I've looked into other nations or tribes in uh, North America in particular, um, let's say down into the Cherokee people, they were traditionally tattooed many from head to toe extensively. We look up to the Haudenosaunee people, which is East Coast, um, extensive tattooing men and women there as well. I believe it was only the men who tattooed their face. But you would see chiefs um, with facial tattoos and that you would know their status because of the tattoos. And then we can go out to West Coast, which is um, uh, Salish people up to the Inuit in Alaska, down to uh, the California Pomo people or the, the Maidu people. Um, and, and you would see that in those areas, it was mostly the women who had facial tattooing. And it was more extensive than in our tribe, um, which would be simple, more simple markings, but with the California nations, you would see the women would, it would be very similar to what I'm wearing now in terms of the elaborateness and the amount of tattooing that was done on the face. Mm. And so um, from what I have over a lot of time of thinking about it and trying to prey on these things because a lot of the evidence was lost, um, is that it seems that those nations that were closer to the water or the coastal regions or south where the weather was warmer um, had more of an extensive tattoo culture, more elaborate markings, more head to toe markings. And I believe that that had to do with the lifestyle, which is because they had more access to let's say fishing, resources, they didn't have to travel as much as my people did. So we were plains people and um, we followed the buffalo. So we were nomadic, always on the go, uh, living in a, an area that had a very harsh winters, um, very a lot of extremes. And so we didn't have the access to resources as plentifully as the tribes might've had on the coast. Um, and also we would, a lot of our extra time would have been spent hunting, preparing, scraping a buffalo hide in and of itself takes a long time. And then taking that and turning it into clothing or making that into the canvas for the teepee or, you know, whatever else we did with it, just feeding the people with it was a long process. And so when you think about that, it would explain why we would have had more simple markings as compared to other tribes. Um, but what a common theme that I have noticed through my research, and really I can only speak for my tribe and some of the evidence that I've seen from other nations, but a lot of us, our markings were messages of identity but also they were like a passport into the spirit world. So when we would pass on, our relatives would recognize us and be able to find us when we went into the spirit world based on our markings. 
which were our identity. Mm. So when colonization era came through and the effect that especially Christianity had on all of the tribal nations out here, one of the first things that we saw that got pushed out was our tattoo traditions. And so there wasn't a lot left to pick up, especially from my nation, because the influx of Christianity was so overwhelming. Um, and the border school um, era, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with the boarding school era or if the audience is, but I'll explain a little bit about it. Yeah. Um, so um, this would be my great grandparents era, you know, late 1800s, early 1900s is when they started to implement the boarding school era, which is where our, the children were systematically and forcibly removed from their parents. And this goes for all nations here in North America. This happened to all of us. And the children were taken and placed into boarding schools. And so in the boarding schools, um, they were, they slept there, they ate there, they, they were completely separated from the parents. And uh, not nuns, um, Christian missionaries, priests were in charge of educating or more truthfully assimilating the, those children. So first thing that would happen when they were brought in is that their hair would be cut, their skin would be scraped traditional clothing removed and often traditional names too. And those names would be replaced with more uh, Anglo-Saxon uh, names. And so essentially that was erasing identity right from the beginning. And then these children were raised in, in a very abusive environment where there was abuse of every form that was inflicted. And it wasn't that these children were so much educated and in these boarding schools, as much as they were, their culture was, and their connection to their ancestors was basically beaten out of them. And so that's starting, you know, my, my great grandparents are boarding school survivors, my grandmother, my father. And so I'm the last one, or I'm the first generation to not go to the boarding schools. And so with the Christian ideals, tattoos were seen as savage. They were seen as um, the enemy. And so when colonization started spreading through, the, especially the women's and uh, the people who had facial tattoos, they were targeted. And so for the protection of the people, um, and because of the indoctrination in the boarding schools and the brainwashing and the eraser of, of culture, tattoos were not allowed for many generations, uh, not only to protect people, but also um, from an outside influence by those who went through the boarding school system. And so that's what you'll see through a lot of our nations is, is the, the tattoo culture is almost gone particularly amongst my people, Lakota and Dakota. Um, yeah. So, our, but essentially our tattoos are at the foundation of who we are. Yeah. And that's something that I've had to really work hard to understand. 
because there was, there was, I found one elder that I could talk to from my nation over the many years that I've been doing this. Mm. One elder came up and, and told me about and taught me ex- about our culture. Yeah. Wow. So it's been a long journey. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And um, so even within that revival, so there, there's a revival happening now. There's a, um, what, what's the, how is that manifesting? Is it, is it, is it getting a foothold? Is it a, is it a thing that people are embracing? Are there, are there many of you? Are there, um, you know, is it, is there a process of it actually coming back again? And yes. Yeah. Yes, especially this year. And if you haven't heard of her yet, you should look her up. Her name is Kwana Chasing Horse, and she's Oglala Lakota. And her other nation is one of the Alaskan nations. I can't quite recall exactly which nation. Um, But they, um, especially in the Alaska area, the traditional people there have been revitalizing um, their their facial tattooing amongst the women. And there it's the women who hold the tradition. It's the women who tattoo. Mm. And so um, they have been leading the way, I should say, in that over the past, let's say, decade of revitalizing that. And it has it has spread to other nations. So there's California um, nations that are revitalizing their traditional tattoos. And, and that's where I have seen over the years the um, the love of it coming back to the people, the understanding coming back to the people. Um, and amongst my tribe, I have seen several women who are starting to take on uh, the chin markings, the the lines behind the eyes. There's several of us who have since since I took on my markings in my own way. I have seen other women from my nation start to do the same. Mm. And, um, you know, it, it's really inspiring to see that um, because especially from my tribe, we, we hardly have anything to base yeah. it on. Yeah. We just have to follow our hearts. And that's a very hard thing to do um, because there's you'll see that there's an issue of a lot of times of lateral violence um, because of the colonialization. You'll see that those of us who do have the facial tattoos will get a lot of um negative feedback from our own people. Mm. Um, A lot of people saying, oh, you know, tattoos aren't allowed. This is not our way. Um, But, and I can't speak for every every family out there because the way we've always worked in is by Tioshpayes, which is extended families. And uh, uh, each Tioshpaye can have a different way of doing things. Mm. And so when I speak for Lakota or Dakota, I can only speak for my Tioshpaye and yeah. what I've been taught from my elder and her Tioshpaye, um, the extended family. And so, um, but the evidence is there that in many Lakota and Dakota Tioshpayes, we did have uh, a tattoo culture. And the extensiveness of it isn't well known and at all so we we don't know but from what i've been told that there's there was some very extensive markings on some of our ancestors entire arms tattooed um, the women with their face tattooed and there's even stories of where when the when the when the settlers started coming through and 
there would be, let's say, you know, there was war at that time. And so let's say someone from a settler nation got taken into one of our nations, a woman, and she, and, and then she'd be returned back to her nation, but she'd be returned back with facial tattoos. You know, so it must have been such an extensive practice back in the day that they said, oh, this woman, this poor woman doesn't have any tattoos. Let's help her out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's mark her up. You know, she she needs to know who she is. She needs to remember. She needs to yes. be honored. Yes. And and so it's quite. um you know, for me, it's disheartening to see how much has really been taken to us to where it's come to the point now where it's it a large portion or percentage of our own people look down on it very heavily. Mm. But when you understand the boarding school system and you understand how much we've survived and how extensive brainwashing really was, um, which I think a lot of uh, indigenous people around the world have been affected negatively by Christianity. Mm. Um, and it's a very powerful sort of negativity that that's, the brainwashing is so deep, it's hard to come out of it. Yeah. And so when I think of my grandmother, you know, she, she was raised in a boarding school. Mm. And so, of course, she would look down on tattoos because yeah. of how poorly they were treated yes. by the priests and the nuns. And, um, and so I, I, I understand the lateral violence now. And so when I see women and men from all the nations here and the, tri the tribal nations here that are embracing that, that tattoo culture that is our right and our, our birthright and our identity, it's, it's really um, beautiful to see mm. that because mm. I don't feel like I'm standing alone anymore. Yeah. 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 So that kind of brings in, um, because so much has been lost as in with what the tattoos were, what the lines were, what the patterns were, if there's not, if there's not you know, uh, a lot of recording of that, what do you do now like to, um, you know, to bring that, the tattooing style back in, uh, or not back in, but I guess what I'm trying to ask is, what 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 patterns can you use? Is it, is it a process of even though there's no physical evidence of okay those designs those designs that pattern that's where that went? Uh, is there a process of almost uh, you know your own remembering having to tap into your own DNA your own cellular memory to access what may have been worn what the what the patterns were. Uh, to be able to use or create something now. Uh, does that make sense? Um, it does. Yeah. What's, um, what's and that's what I have done extensively. I've had to, um, because there wasn't a lot to base, there, there was hardly anything to base the designs upon. Mm. What I have had to learn how to do is to tap deep into my guidance system, my heart, my DNA, because even though we went through such an extensive genocide, culturally and physically, the DNA is, is still inherent within us. And, you know, and when I was growing up, I got, I was separated from my culture. So I didn't get raised in this way at all. I didn't even know that I was Lakota and Dakota. 
Um, I, I was raised with the belief that my people were good for nothing um, and that they were, you know, good for nothing drunks and that it was best for me to stay far away from it. And so I was very racist towards my own self and separated, disconnected. And so eventually I started having these powerful visions of my ancestors coming to me and giving me hugs, mm. coming to me in dreams and showing me things that I had no idea even existed in this world. And so those dreams were so powerful and impactful upon me that I decided, you know, there must be something more to this side of me than they've been telling me all my life. And so that's when I was 23, I went out and I reconnected with my father and he was living on the reservation out here. So I went out, I reconnected, I went to my first wachipi, which is a powwow. And, and, and that's a dance, that's a celebration um, that we usually have in the summer times. So it's a gathering of the people and we dance and celebrate, sing. Um, and so when I saw that for the first time, I said, wow, you know, these are my people. I, fi I finally can look outside of myself and see someone that looks like me, that has the features, that has the big nose, you know, that has <laughs> the things that European culture doesn't really think is beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, so I started really, that's when I really started embracing who I was. Um, but that embracing came from my DNA. It came from my ancestors coming to me and saying, look, you have something within you that is extremely powerful and that is going to open up this pathway for you to find your healing and your connection and your purpose. And we are asking you to seek this out. And so that, from that point, I learned how to follow my heart and to follow that guidance system that is in my DNA that, that is so powerful from my, our ancestors because of what we've had to go through, what we've had to survive. That genetic connection is very strong. And so um, when I'm creating designs, I pull from that same connection because I learned to trust that connection and that connection is here to guide me. And that connection is who I truly am. And so, yes, when I'm creating designs, although I don't have anything to base it on in terms of pictures or someone to sit me down and teach me about our, our tattoo culture, I can, I can reach in here and pull it out mm. because that's what my ancestors left behind for me. Because it's recorded in that lineage, it's recorded uh not just it doesn't need to be recorded here physically on 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 a form or a piece of paper or or whatever it's recorded it's recorded because it's within your cellular memory it's within your dna it's within your ancestors and that connection that communication with them is that's where it's getting shared so yeah well that's really that's amazing it's really powerful um with some of these so uh, for your people are there any are there any that have remained are there any is, is it or was it totally gone um and maybe not just say with uh uh you know your your tribes but are there other tribes uh that do have recorded um you know certain patterns and designs that have been that have you know survived 
Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, um, the tribes, let's see, some of the California nations have extensive documentation of their oh, traditional cool. tattoos, especially, mm. you know, the women's markings. Um, some of the Inuit nations, up in Alaskan uh, tribal nations have also um, evidence of their markings. Um, some down the Cherokee, you see that the nations that more along the coast, a lot of them have a lot more documentation um, that came up in their photographs of their traditional markings. So a yes, some other nations do have documentation that can be pulled from to base their designs on. And, and what I have to base on from, from my nation is that we, we do have some documentation of the lines here and the honor markings here. Um, very little, but there's so there are some stories from that and elders that have given me some of that information as well. Um, we have, the, we, there, there's an elder and he was a medicine man. Uh, John Fire Lame Deer wrote in his, and he's a Lakota, a Lakota medicine man. And he wrote in his book about the meanings of our tattoos and why we would get them and that they were basically like passports into the spirit world. And he would tell the story um, of what, that when we cross over into the spirit world, that if we didn't have a certain marking on our wrist, which was a dot in a certain place, or if, and that was for a man, but if a woman didn't have a certain marking on her face, um, then, they wouldn't be able to cross the woman, the spirit woman who sits between the earth and the spirit world. She would look for those markings. And if she couldn't find them, then she would throw them back to the earth as a wanagi or a ghost. And so he said, that's how important our tattoos were to us because if we didn't have them, we, we wouldn't be able to join our ancestors. And, and there's another um, prominent Dakota historian, um, I believe his name is Vine Deloria Jr. And I can't guarantee that, but um, there is another prominent Dakota historian that said that they even, we even tattooed our children. So, because we didn't want them to have to be thrown back to the earth as Wanagis or ghosts yeah. if they didn't have the tattoos. Yeah. And so, so I, from my nation, we have more of the meanings behind the tattoos and why they were given um, as opposed to the designs. And yeah. so, but I, th I think that if we can go back and we look at old uh, 18th, uh, 19th century beadwork, we can look at the designs that we see um, um, over ceremonial items and um, moccasins and even old pottery and things that we would be able to pull those designs from that work and to use them to say, okay, these were designs that were important to our ancestors, you know, so important that they would place them on their regalia or their their pipe bags or their ceremonial items. So if we're looking to for designs that would um, do that, for our most sacred markings that our ancestors would be able to recognize us by when we cross into the spirit world, then, then maybe we should take some of those designs and use them, mm. you know, but also use our own guidance system and our DNA 
uh, genetic connection to determine what's what is for us to use. Yes. But yes, other nations, um, uh, particularly coastal nations, um, do have evidence within pictures and paintings of old tattoos. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, I mean, in that, you know, you've, you've already sort of explained that there's a spiritual connection with some of the patterns, some of the uh, designs. Uh, so there's... Um, you know, a lot of patterns and a lot of designs of a lot of cultures use certain shapes uh, to create a vibrational resonance with something that's elsewhere or outside or in another world or the spirit realm or in this world. Um, I guess you kind of answered that, didn't you? There's, there's, this, there's ones that have meanings for the spiritual realms or for mm -hmm. ancestral um reasons uh what about uh, patterns that are in vibrational resonance with this world with with animals with um, plants with um, things in nature um uh, is that evident in in some of the patterns and reasons people got tattooed i could see um so this is past reference yes uh yeah yeah, and okay. wherever you want to take it, if it's something that's happening more okay. now or, yeah. So I have seen markings such as, you know, a uh, a person who is connected with, 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 let's say, his medicine comes from the lightning nation. Mm -hmm. You would see that person that would get uh, lightning markings all the way down their body, even, um, you know, down their thighs, down to the ground mm -hmm. to honor that energy. Mm. And I've seen um, a Yankton Sioux warrior. Um, wow, you know, I, I actually just faced this until now, but there is evidence um, from the Dakota side that was caught in a, a drawing of, from an ethnographer who came through the area and did drawings um, of the people here. But he was a, a Yankton Sioux, so Dakota warrior, and he had two bear prints tattooed on his chest. Mm -hmm. And so that would have been his medicine. Mm. Um, so, so yes, there is evidence of having that. And one of my elders, she's Dakota and Lakota. She said that her grandmother, um, and, and they have always had tattoos in her history as far back as she can remember. Mm. So this is from a traditional teaching, mm. but her grandmother taught her to put a symbol that she resonated with on her body, which at the time was the butterfly. Mm. So she's like, put that butterfly on you. So when you cross over into the spirit world, I can find you. I oh, will yeah. know who you are. Mm -hmm. So yes, I think that the designs had everything to do with our identity and whatever form that was, you know, it could have been. And I, I've been told that if a woman had an issue with fertility, that they could put a, a fertility sign on her wrist and that would help her conceive. Um, if you needed um, healing from something, then there would be a certain design for that. If you need a protection, there'd be a marking for that. Um, if you were married, there'd be a marking for that. So it was all about our identity and sending a message, not only to those that saw us on a daily basis, but to our ancestors in the spirit world. Mm. So yes, yeah, certainly all of yeah. that was there. Yes, yeah, yeah. There's an importance in keeping a... A, a tradition and a, and a purity to um you know our tattooing 
for all cultures, uh, just sort of that that connection to our ancestors and, and this, the, just this continued purity without it being, um, you know, interfered with or changed so much it's unrecognizable. So there's some patterns that really need to stay there and, and continued through. Um, with that in mind, so that's maybe something that's, that's there needs to be maintained now with um, you know more with this with the revival that's happening now uh, do, do the tattooists that are um, creating the patterns and, and the designs for this day and age uh, are the doors open to you know creating these creating new uh, symbolism and uh, things that relate to what's happening with you know the people now yes i i very much think so um well for instance i'll just take the the design that i created um for the standing rock movements and that is this design which is the thunderbird um yeah. but this is based on the thunderbird is an ancient symbol um but but things like that are getting used in this day and age with to relate to our movements, uh, indigenous resistance movements, to be used as power, to be used as medicine, protection, prayer. And so when I created this design, I wanted to invoke, to pray to those beings which are represented in this design, mm -hmm. the thunder beings or the Wakian Oyate. And they are the bringers of the rain. Without them, we wouldn't have the water that we have, that, that we were protecting in the Standing Rock movement. And so to me, it was like, so there's a traditional, you know, teaching that, that we give up our flesh, we sacrifice to make offerings to the thunder beings because they, they, they really like that. You know, they like it when we take a flesh offering and give it to them and put it in a ceremonial way on our altar. Um, and so giving of a tattoo, that's a sacrifice. That's a flesh offering. That is part of a, you know, and so not a lot of people understood that at the time that I created that design mm. that, that you can't just quite say that right out in the open to everybody because it's not going to be received or understood really well. But mm. I feel like I can share that here because it will be. Um, and so everybody who, who got that marking was giving a flesh offering to the thunder beings and carrying that prayer on their skin, which is saying, hey, we, we need help. Indigenous nations in Great Turtle Island, or what's now known as America, which includes Canada and down into South America, North America, we have been made invisible for far too long. Mm -hmm. And so we are, we are standing up now, not only for our nations, but for all nations who have a right to clean and pure drinking water and to not have the earth continuously be over harvested, raped, destroyed. And so the, the prayer that was carried in this marking was, was imploring the thunder beings through the sacrifice that each of us makes in carrying this design on our, on our skin mm. and becoming one with it. 
is that help us, help us stand with us, protect us, help us to overcome these corporations who have this agenda that doesn't serve us, that doesn't serve the earth, but only destroys us and enslaves us and enslaves and destroys the earth. Um, so help us. Um, and, it, and it symbolized all the people coming together to stand for that cause. And so that's the intention and the meaning behind the marking is absolutely everything. Mm. And so I see other um, indigenous tattoo artists here, particularly um, in the Americas that are doing the same thing. It's about <clears throat> marking up our warriors helping them prepare for battle, shielding them. And um, I have seen the power of the tattoo. So I'm, I, as you already know, I'm very, a lot of the messages that I received are from my visions or from my dreams. And so um, I had this dream once and we can see this being very relevant right now as we see this chaos that we're in, we see, the issues that our society is facing on an international level. Um, so in this dream, I was in a concentration camp and I was with my youngest son. And in this concentration camp, they had all the people lined up and the, let's just call them officers, had this device and so they walked along to every person and they held up this device to them and the device subjugated them just by its energy, it subjugated them. And so they could easily move on to the next person. But when they came to me, I held up my Thunderbirds like this in front of me mm -hmm. and they lit, I could see them light up and it shielded their energy device. Mm -hmm. It couldn't affect me. Mm. And it's made them so angry, so angry. And they took me and my son and they threw us into this padded vehicle, looked like a Hummer or a SWAT vehicle or something. They put us in there and then they turned on this really, um, this, this vibration that I felt like it was killing me, you know? So I held my body over my son and um, I could hear, and I just was like, I think we're gonna, I think this is gonna kill us. We're gonna die. Um, but all of a sudden I heard my ancestors yell at me. They said, sing, sing. And I said, the last thing I feel like doing right now is singing. Yeah. <laughs> they kept yelling at me to sing. And so I sang. And as soon as I started singing, it ended the dream and I snapped right out of it. And wow. so, what I learned from that situation is that our tattoos can be um, shields to the, the, we all know that there is something not right in this world right now. There is some sort of, you know, matrix or some kind of grid system that keeps us in a lower vibrational state. Mm -hmm. And so that dream showed me that our, our tattoos that are imbued with prayer and meaning can be shields to yes. certain levels of lower vibrational energy. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to their full on attack, then we have our songs, mm -hmm. which is our culture, which is our ancestral connection mm -hmm. that can blow it all out of the water. Yeah, wow. Mm. Oh, goosebumps. 
Jeez. Amazing. That's yeah, beautiful. What a way to um, yeah, because they're using a certain frequency, a certain um, a free, uh, yeah, they were they were uh, using some kind of frequency machine or something against you. Your frequency of your tattoos repels that or protects you. Same with the song against the the frequency that they were bombarding you with. It's amazing. It's really cool. Um, that's that's a that's a stuff that I talk about a lot in my podcast as well. Is that difference in what they are using and what we can use, and bringing that back. Our ancestors understood a lot about frequency and the use of it, and um, you know, raising of frequencies as well, and keeping ourselves above those lower frequencies that can be detrimental to us and and used as as you know to attack um is there much knowledge you can share with us about the tools that we used um the tools the pigments the applications um stuff like that is there much you can share with us around sure. that subject and i actually just found this out just a few months ago so um, from our nation, um, which is Lakota and So um, the ink that would have been used back in the day would have come from ash. So they would have taken some ash from the fire and mixed it with bear grease. Mm-hmm. And that would have been the black ink. And then red ink would be collected from some mountains in the area, sacred mountains that was in that, that they would go and collect the red rocks and mash it up and also mix it with bear grease. And that was used for traditional paint. So the men would paint their faces with that red and put um, red line down the center of the head here. But that was also used in tattoos for the red ink. Um, So in terms of the needle, uh, we use porcupine quills here in the plains, porcupine quills. And from what I know from other nations, they would have used cactus thorns, um, fish bones, and um, there was even, as far as that's, that's, I think that's extensive, the extent of what I know in terms of what we would have used. So fish bones, cactus thorns, porcupine quills, which wow, to me, porcupine quills just say, I can't imagine the pain because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they're usually barbed and cactus thorns too are, you know, they're not designed to easily go in and out of the flesh, like the tattoo needles we have in yeah. this day. and age. Yeah. So I think we have it easy compared to what our ancestors had to go through for their markings. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know if, you know, was it, was there a ceremony was it ceremonial? Was it um, was it something that was done uh, with many people present, or was it something that was done privately? Was it? Um, yeah, I know some of these are hard, probably hard to know with so much information lost. But yeah, do you? As what's... far as I know, it would have been from from the information that I've gotten from some of the. the the stories that have been left behind from our ancestors and our elders who shared some of the knowledge in the books and things that it was considered very sacred. Um, and because these were markings that would help us cross into the spirit world that, that yes, it would have been done in ceremony. 
mm-hmm. um, and coming of age ceremonies for the young women, mm-hmm. men becoming warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I, I am speaking from the heart right now, but yes, this would have been very sacred. And, and that's, and from what I've learned, when I haven't brought ceremony into each and every tattoo that I do, even if it's for someone who's non-Indigenous, that, um, you know, I kind of have to pay for it. I, I, I have to carry energy that doesn't belong to me or I get extremely drained. Um, and I, I, so I have had to learn the hard way because I didn't have an, uh, anyone to teach me mm. the right and proper way. I learned the hard way, which is that if I don't smudge off, you know, if I don't pray, if I don't call in our ancestors and thank them for being there and ask for their help, mm. then um, I, I don't get that help. <laughs> and so, so I, I would think that, yes, based on that evidence, my own personal ex- ev- experience and based on what the elders have, have shared is that, yes, there were dead. This was considered a very sacred ceremony. And that means there would have been probably fasting back in the day there would have been preparation of going into the purification lodge. Mm -hmm. There would have been, okay, make sure you eat this and uh, not that. You drink this and not that. Mm -hmm. Um, You get it at this season and not this season. There was probably an extensive amount of protocol that came into it um, back in the day. And so we're relearning those things now, the hard way, my way, (laughs) (laughs) the hard way. And um, so, and, and there's also John Fire Lame Deer in his book, Secret of Visions. Um, the, um, the 17th, I believe, generation keeper of the white buffalo calf pipe, which is what our entire ceremonial culture is based upon is Lakota and Dakota people, is the teachings that the prophet white buffalo calf woman brought to our people 19 generations ago. Mm. And so she brought the pipe, which is the Chinupa and our seven sacred ceremonies. And she said that there would be a time coming when nearly everything we of us would be taken from us. And that includes, of course, our culture and even our spirits. So that is the time that we're in now mm-hmm. where we see the results of almost everything being taken from us. But these traditions, these ceremonies were brought to us through white buffalo calf woman and through that chinupa, our pipe, that um, helped us to survive. And I, I would say it would it's probably the only reason that we've survived yeah. to this to this point is because of those traditions and those ceremonies and that secret way of life. And so the 17th generation keeper of the white buffalo pipe was a woman. And I believe she's either 17th or 16th, but um, she, John Fire Lame Deer, the Lakota medicine man, um, met with her and he helped do a healing on her. And in exchange, she gifted him a tattoo. And that tattoo had a secret meaning that he didn't share in the book, but he said that it was, it was meant to help him in his own healing journey and to protect him. And so because she was a a keeper of the pipe, that means she was a medicine woman. She was a holy woman. And so everything she would have done would have been done in a very sacred way with ceremony. 
with protocol, with spiritual law being the prominent um, guidance system of, of everything she did. And so knowing that, then I would say, yes, there was probably so much that was done back in the day in preparation for our markings. And they would have been urns, but they would have also been, um, you know, rites of passage coming into age ceremonies. And, and so we're definitely picking that back up. Awesome. Just to kind of round some things up, um, and what you've been talking about is so enlightening, so so much information you've shared there, and, and um, you know, I've learned a lot, and I'm sure everyone else listening has. Um, is there what is there anything what would you like to talk about? What's what's important uh for you in um the revival of of these tattoo traditions of your people, what have you got anything you want to say or you want to share? Um, and then we can go into uh, where you are, what where your studio is, where you work, um, how you work, uh, and yeah, go from there. Okay, um, so a lot of I'll, I'll start with a lot of what I've had to carry, um, being one of the first women from my nation to carry facial tattoos. Um, and that is lateral violence. That is um, it, being that uh, and, uh, indigenous people have, have had to struggle so hard to hold on to our cultures and to our way of life. Um, our connection to the earth itself has, has been under attack for generations. And so part of the results of that um, is, is where we will have people from our own nations that are sometimes the most hurt of all. And sometimes um, the most negative of all. And so I have had to deal with that when, with being you know, someone who's learned how to follow my heart because it was part of my survival. It's what saved my life, really. And so when I followed my heart and I decided to say, look, I'm, I'm going to go get these tattoos because it's, it's what I feel. It's right for me. This is what I need to do. My ancestors say, yes, please do this. Mm. Um, when I come back and it's, it's what I am so pleased with my connection to, to you, to other Tamoko artists that I've worked closely with is that the talks that I've had that when I was there receiving my markings, um, the culture that's still there has helped me so much in my walk over here and in the work that has to be done over here. Because I would say that, that the disconnection wasn't as mm, extensive with the Maori people as it was for us. Mm. We're talking about um, more extensive in terms of time and more extensive in the terms of the genocide that we had to endure where, where some things were completely lost nearly. And so the fact that I was able to at the time where we were still able to travel internationally and you know that I, I've, I learned how to follow my guidance system and to do those things that, that have now become, you know, been the 
determining factors in where I'm at in life now. If I didn't decide to take on my markings, I wouldn't be tattooing. I wouldn't be. It found me because I followed my heart. And, and you know, um, but when I come back to the States and, you know, I had to walk alone in it for so many years. There was, there was a lot of issues that I faced in terms of, you know, you shouldn't have those. What, you know, what did you do to your face? You know, mm-hmm. what, what were you thinking? And, and you know, I faced <laughs> it from my own family. I faced it from people in the streets. I faced it from my people, you know, people from my nation who didn't necessarily know me, but knew of me. And, and you know, so I've had, I had to struggle for many years to find my place in my own self of saying, you know, sometimes doubting my choice, uh, you know, trying to stand strong in that. And, you know, did I have a right to take these? Am I, did I do something wrong? And I think that, you know, all of us as indigenous people can, can, can relate to that mm. because there has been so much that has been taken to it from us that, you know, every single one of us has grown up having to walk in two different worlds, mm. you know, having to is this right for me to take on? Because maybe I didn't do this, this, and that, you know, to earn this. But, but I've come to this point that it's, it's our birthright. And when we connect to, to that place within ourselves, where our ancestors are, they want us to embrace who we are. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it comes to, okay, you don't have to go to all of these different, you know, notches or check marks that you need to make in order to earn something that was purposefully taken from you. Mm-hmm. You need to just do it because sometimes only in taking that on, are you going to come to that place where you can understand mm-hmm. what yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. And that has been my experience where I just had to go. I had to trust my heart and go with it. And by going with it, then all these other doors opened up that would have never opened up if I didn't just do it and go for it. And so when I say that, I say, yes, there will be those people from your own nation, from other nations that will tell you that you shouldn't do that, that will judge you, that will try to put you down, that will never like you again because of a choice Mm. you made, Mm. you know? But we, we have to look into our own hearts and make that decision for ourselves about what's right for us and the things that we're going to take reclaim from our own culture, Mm -hmm. from our own genetic connection that are right for us. Mm -hmm. And that is part of us stepping forward as indigenous people in this day and age, as in this time when we actually have the opportunity to do these things again, where we can't just be killed for it. Where we can't be just gelled for practicing our culture and our, our traditions. So, so we have to drop that fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have to go for it. Yeah. And I think that's with those people that we see making those choices that are, are not making choices out of fear, but making choices out of what their heart guides them to do and praying on it in your own way. Um, because some of us don't have access to the ceremonies and we don't have access to elders. We don't have anyone to ask. Mm-hmm. At the time when I took on my markings, I didn't have anyone to ask. Mm. 
I had to go within and I had to pray and I yeah. had to get that answer. And so I encourage anyone who's, who's wanting to do that for themselves to do that as well. Yeah. And to not let the fear of what other people are going to think or say or do hold you back from what's right for you and from what your heart tells you to do. Yeah. So wow. as indigenous people, we have that genetic connection. Yeah. We have that DNA. And so, so we have to learn to trust that because if anything, that's what colonization tried to take away from us mm. was our connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Important words, really important words. Um, well, cool. So, uh, where are you? Where, where, are, where are you working from? You've got your own studio now or your own uh, place you're working from. Uh, yeah, I've, so, I've seen some some stuff on on your social media around that. It looks beautiful. Um, and you've got a book as well, haven't you? I do. You can, you can bring that into it as well. Uh, let us know. Tell us all about you and where you are and what's, what's yeah. Okay. So I am based out of Indianapolis, Indiana, which is uh, the heart of, of the middle of, the, of, the, of America, United States. And my studio is called Thunderbird Rising Studios. So it's, it's half uh, is my studio where I do the hand poke tattoo. And the other half is like a retail site where we offer the art um, products um, made by indigenous creators. So I, I say indigenous because I don't want to be just uh, to the tribal nations of America or anything. I, wa- I want to work with indigenous artists all around the world. Mm-hmm. It's always been part of a vision of mine to, to showcase or to share the beauty of all the indigenous nations of the world, you know, in terms of people that I know and that I, that I, that I can share their story, that I have a connection to them, that I, I can bring that and say, oh, this is, this is my friend or this is my auntie that makes this. This is um, the art of, of this person and they did this. And, you know, part of that is, is how are we gonna break down the stereotypes that um, unfortunately still predominate many, um, many outsiders view of mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And so I offer that space in my studio to, to, to give um, what is here a very underrepresented minority, which mm-hmm. is an indigenous people, that space to show their talent, their beauty, their culture, their art, and their ingenuity. You know, so, so that's what that half is and, and, um, event it's, it's growing, it's building, but, um, I want to, we hosted our first event on indigenous people's day. So we, we had a lot of people come through for that and it was quite successful. We danced, we blessed the studio, we opened it up and we showed our presence in a place where many people don't even know that we still exist. Mm-hmm. So eventually I'll have elders come through and teach, you know, different topics, teach about traditional medicines, um, how to make, you know, how to scan a hide, you know, things like mm. that. And mm. uh, so it's a space for that. But yes, I also wrote a book. So this is my memoir, Thunderbird Rising. And it's, it's, it's my story, uh, you know, before I... I'm at the point now, it's my story of, of a survival story. It's all the things that I went through as a child, you know, being disconnected, growing up in an abusive home, um, 
being in a abusive relationships and also the understanding of coming into who I was through my genetic connection, through the visions that I had and going from being this person who was very ashamed of my native ancestry um, to being awakened to it by my ancestors to then going into the world of activism, indigenous activism and resistance and all of the things that I experienced from that world to where, you know, losing my children because of it, political prisoner for a while. Um, and the things that I learned about the injustices that, that our people have been through. So I basically got crash coursed into that, you know, um, in my twenties and early thirties and, and I always learned the hard way, you know, but sometimes <laughs> that's the best way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's my story about, you know, how did I survive all of those things that I went through? Um, what, what helped me heal my soul? Because, you know, um, as indigenous people, we have an epidemic in many of our communities of suicide, mm -hmm. um, substance abuse, uh, disconnection from the culture. And, you know, I've had my own personal experiences with that. And many of it is a direct result of colonization. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, having to walk into worlds and to be, you know, find our identity and our place in it. And to, how do you stay sane when we're living in such an insane world? Mm -hmm. And so I share that, especially as indigenous people, because our sanity came from our connection to the land. Mm -hmm. So when it's hard to be connected in that way, um, that, that's why we have these issues in our communities. And so I, I wanted to, um, address those issues and say, look, this is what I've been through. Look at all the things that I've been through and look at the things that came and that lifted me up and that helped me. And that hopefully by me sharing these things and just being, giving a, a perspective of an indigenous point of view of, especially woman of what it's like to to survive some of these things to experience it just to see the world the way that that many of us do um and how do we how do we find what's real how do we connect to our identity um and then to our ancestors and to find our power again mm -hmm. and so i i did that in my book i i how i got to that point and looking real at the trauma because so many of us as indigenous people have been through it and are mm -hmm. going through it. Yeah. And so I just wanted people to know that they're not alone mm -hmm. and to talk about these issues and say, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. Because I don't think there's anything that I haven't been through. <laughs> and <survived. laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I'll put links to yeah your social media, your book, uh, below this uh well so amazing talking to you that was a really really cool conversation and um there were some really important things we talked about brought up learnt. um kind of rounded up there eh? and yeah. um carry on with our days mm -hmm. um yeah thank you so much um thank you too. Yeah, it's I just yeah, it's a blessing to have been talking to you and uh for you know I'm sure everyone else that's listening to this and watching this is is really you know thankful for that and for your words as well. Okay.
Thank you. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Doksha. Thank you.